Amen. Boy, we live in a day where we need to be revived, and that's every day. And I thank the Lord for this opportunity to preach His Word. Thank you for joining us. Those that are joining us by the way of the Internet, we thank God for your presence. We pray for you. And uh, may the Lord meet the need of your heart. But if you're feeling it too, we, we need revival in the days that we're living in. And I thank God for the opportunities that we have to serve Him, but we ought to be looking for more. And may the Lord help us. And uh, the Lord knows what we need this morning. And I want to welcome those again that are joining us by the way of the internet. For the folks that are here, we thank you for your presence. And if you'd like to find your place in Psalms chapter 12. Psalms chapter 12. The title of the message is A Cause for Alarm. And I tell you, we're living in that day where there's a cause for alarm. Remember David said, is there not a cause? <laughs> I've said that there is a cause for alarm as we, we see things as they are. And the days that we're living in, whether it be a, a national issue, which here in America, there's a great cause for alarm with everything that's happening. And, but there's a great cause for alarm within our own ranks and within the independent Baptist fundamental movement. Amen. And, uh, and they ain't no better. They ain't none closer to the word of God. And I thank God for that. I'm glad to be part of it, but there's a cause for alarm today, and many people are departing from the faith, and they're walking away from the, from the truths of God's Word, and may the Lord help us to just stand, and having done all, to stand, and may the Lord help us there. In Psalms chapter 12, I trust you found your place there. Let's start reading verse 1. Help, Lord. This is the prayer. He's coming before God for a very specific reason. He sees there's a cause for alarm. And he's saying, help, Lord. And then he goes on to explain why he needs help. He goes on to say, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation for from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Uh, this psalms and the, the, the hymns are hymns uh, uh, just like many of our hymns uh, that we sing. Many of them were written in the aftermath of some circumstances in the life of the writer. And it's important to know that the psalms, that they are inspired. They are the inspired word of God. Uh, while our hymns... <laughs> That's in our hymnal. They're not, okay? There, there's some songs in, in, in every hymnal that I'm just not going to sing because they're not scripturally right. And uh, so we need to be careful there and understand that our hymnal is not inspired. The Word of God is inspired. These psalms are the inspired Word of God. 
But this psalm was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the aftermath of some particular circumstance that took place in the life of David that gives him a cause for alarm. We understand that when we get to Psalms 12 here, and it says, Help, Lord... He, look, there's something that happened before then that caused him to cry out for help. Something had already happened. And David here is crying out for help. He says, help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Help, Lord. That's a short but sweet prayer. That's a prayer that can be used in every circumstance of this life. Have you ever been there? Have you ever just had to cry out, Help, Lord. Help me. Save me. Oh, God, have mercy on me. Just a short but sweet prayer for a very specific time or need in our life. Hey, there's never a day that goes by that I don't need the help of the Lord. But there's been specific situations I'm telling you, very specific situations in my life where I've only been able to say, Lord, I need your help here. God, help me. You see, David knew where his help came from. And so do we. The same Lord that heard David's cry for help is the same Lord that will hear our cry as well. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace so that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Grace to help. When you go to the Lord, you're asking for help. Well, let's look at this cause for alarm. Why is David calling out for help? In verse 1 it says, Help, Lord. And the first thing that he says is, For the godly man ceaseth. (laughs) This prayer is just as relevant today as it was when it was penned under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For the godly man ceaseth. How is the godly man ceasing in the day that we live in? He's ceasing in death. Oh, the, the, the church that we attended while we were on, on, on vacation two weeks ago there, uh, the preacher told me that during COVID they lost many, many members and they buried many godly people, people that were saints and been living for God for a long time. Oh, we've got a generation of godly people who are passing off the stage. Oh, I'll tell you, but right here is the question that fills my mind. Who is going to fill their shoes? Hey, the, the godly man ceaseth. Maybe David saw some people that were passing on the soft scene and entering into glory there. And, and uh, But he realized that there was a great cause of alarm because the godly man ceaseth in death. Not only that, but the godly man ceaseth in departure. In departure. Paul saw that in his day. 
In 2 Timothy 4.10 it says, For Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Hey, there! can I just say there's always going to be a Thessalonica out there. There's always going to be something that's going to draw our attention away from the Lord. Maybe it's a hobby or an investment, a family situation. It could be a child or a responsibility. It could be some other person. You know, I wonder how many have departed from this church over the past 51 years of its existence and they're no longer in church. They departed from the faith. Oh, they may be saved, but they've fallen in love with this present world. In 2 Timothy 1.15 it says, This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. Hey, there is cause for alarm today because of those who have departed from the faith. What David said, the godly man ceaseth. Hey, there's a great departing in the day that we're living in. Some have departed because of the perilous times that we're living in. Hey, they don't want to be in the fight. And they, they've kind of just given up because of the perilous days that we're living in. Some have departed because they've left the principles of God's Word and they've embraced the ways of the world. They've compromised. They're apostates, if you would. There's been a great departure from the God-given standards and traditions that's been passed on to us. I hear it. Well, the young people, hey, you know, we got it. We got it. You know, they're the future, so we got to cater to the young people. We got to, we got to make sure that you know they, we do what they like. Can I just say that only seventeen percent of churchgoers across the board here in America are between the ages of eighteen and thirty-four years old. Can I just ask you, are you going to depart from the truths as God's word for the 17% who may or may not be here five years from now? The godly man ceaseth in departure. The godly man ceaseth in decline. Since 1943, church attendance has been on a gradual decline here in America. During World War II, church attendance was over 70%. 70% of our nation attended church, but now, now it's under 50% of those that attend at least once, at least once a week. There's a decline in church attendance. There's a decline in Christians praying and reading their Bible. There, there's a decline in witnessing, a decline in missionaries being sent out. Oh, can I just say there's a great cause for alarm. David saw it in his day. And it's even more relevant today. Oh, we need the help of the Lord. There's a decline in churches staying open. <laughs> Research has said that 75 to 150 congregations close their doors every week. 
And that's not including the ones that say, well, let's just not have two services on Sunday. Let's just go down to one and let's cancel out Wednesday night. We'll just have a little teen meeting for the teenagers to come get around and just, you know, they, they, just so they can just hang out together and things like that. And that. That even talking about them. We're just talking about those that are closing their door. There's a decline in churches staying open. The godly man ceaseth in death, in departure in decline, but also in determination. Look in verse 1, middle of the verse. For the faithful, the faithful fail from among the children of men. Daniel purposed in his heart uh, that he would not defile himself with his generation. David purposed to not sin against God with his lips. Uh, Joseph purposed that he would not defile himself and sin against God with his body. Paul resolved to live for Christ. Though others left him and others were departing and leaving. Or read the Fox's Book of Martyr or, or read the Martyr's Mirror and see all those that determined uh, and, and think that they determined to live for God. But not only did they determine to live for Him, they determined to die for Him as well. Can I just say the godly man ceaseth uh, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. There's a great cause uh, for alarm because it's hard to find Christians uh, who are willing to just live for Christ uh, and present their bodies a living sacrifice, uh, holy and acceptable to God. Uh, hey, there's a lack of determination to simply just do the bare minimum our reasonable service. I've never witnessed so many Christians uh, struggling just to make it to church every time the doors are open. I'm telling you, this is a national issue. Across America, the average church congregation has only 65 people. And I'm talking about that's for the week. <laughs> this means that over half of those congregations, they see less than 65 people a week. According to a 2020 survey, 29% of Americans never attend church. 29%. Never attend church compared to only 24% who attend church at least once a week. On an average, 69% of adults were members of a church in 1998 and 2000. That's not that long ago. That's only 23 years ago. Now, 52%. In 2016 and 2018, that number dropped to 52%. The numbers are most likely lower than that now. Can I just say there's a great cause for alarm. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. What was David doing? He was crying out for revival in his day. And can I just say, we still stand in the need of revival in our day as well. There's a great cause for alarm in death and departure and decline and determination, but also in dedication. Where are the Moseses? Where are the Joshuas? Where are the Daniels? Where are the Jeremiah's and the Isaiah's and the Ezekiel's and the Elijah's and the Elisha's, the Amos's, the John the Baptist, the Stephen's, uh, the Peter's, the Paul's, the Timothy's? Where are they? 
You know, missionaries today, they've lost uh, their pioneering spirit. Uh, they want everything taken care of before they'll go. Uh, they, they, they've answered the call to go, but, but they want everything taken care of before they even get there. They want set-up fees. Uh, they want furniture. They want appliances. They want cars and housing and, and buildings already there waiting on them to get there. Uh, or else they're just not going to go forward. All we just can't go, you know. We can't go. We don't have all our setup fees. Uh, they're sitting around in the United States uh, drawing their full 100% support uh, and love offerings. And it seems like they don't want to invest none of their money. They don't want to invest none of what they've been given to go. I get newsletters all the time of missionaries that we don't support. They just send them to the church and it amazes me what they're asking for. Now, I mean, it's like every time we need 30,000, we need 70,000. We, we need all... Hey, what about teaching those people? Won't you get over there and reach some people and teach them and reach them, baptize them, and then teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. These foreign congregations, uh, they want others to sacrifice and to give. But they don't want to give sacrificially. They, 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 or, or, or the missionary, he's so concerned with numbers and reports of great things happening that they're not willing to wait on the Lord. They're not willing to get out there and roll their sleeves up and do some work. And then reach the people and teach them to give. It's almost like they, they just want something up and running as soon as they get there. When we left Canada, the congregation in Canada had over $12,000 in the bank. Not one time the whole 10, 11 years that we were in Canada establishing that church and getting it going for so it could move forward and be turned over to a local pastor. Not one time did we ask our churches for money, for buildings. You know what we did? The little money that we got and we were way under support. I'm just saying that God's still faithful and God, I'm telling you, faithful men may cease but God's never failed. Hey, we just taught people to hate us, to trust the Lord. We taught them through sacrificial giving and sacrificially giving of ourselves. Hey, we was able to turn over a work to a pastor that was self-sufficient. They weren't dependent on some churches sending in money for them to keep going. And now that church helps take care of their own pastor. What will happen to a lot of these works once the missionary leaves? These works where the missionaries asking for thousands and thousands of dollars from the states to go over there. What's going to happen when that missionary leaves? What's going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. Ain't no dedication. And it's just going to go back to nothing. Jesus says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore. Oh, Psalms 12, 1 says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. <laughs> David didn't say that God has ceased. He didn't say that God is not faithful, but the faithful men have failed. The godly man has ceased. If you go back to these stats that I mentioned earlier, 29% of Americans don't even go to church. Now that may not mean that they don't believe, but what it does mean is they're not involved. 
And then you compare that to the 24% who go at least once a week. I wonder what the percentage is of who only goes when it's convenient for them. Well, we need a revival. David said, help, Lord. Hey, there's a cause for alarm and death. There's a cause for alarm and departure. There's a cause for alarm and decline and determination and dedication. And there's also a cause for alarm and denouncing. But we're living in a day where there's very little preaching on sin. Very little preaching on godly separation. That means separation from the world unto the Lord. Oh, we're living in the last days and we're living in that time where the average Christian will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, they just want their ears tickled. Uh, They want somebody to pamper them and make them feel good about themselves and and the way they're living that goes against the Word of God. Uh, I, I hear it all the time. Well, I just don't see anything wrong with that. Well, since when is the standard on how things ought to be up to you? It's not. How you view things. Hey, what does God have to say about the matter? This contemporary movement in music is so dangerous. It's so dangerous because it's a bridge to worldliness. And we got to be careful falling into Satan's trap. It's kind of like going out here in this ocean and, and, and you can't swim. You know how dangerous that is? But you still venture out in the water, waist deep, chest deep, uh, up to your head. I'll be fine. Hey, I still got footing right here. Hey, you'll be fine till you're not. Uh, when that wave comes over your head and knocks you over, or when that rip current drags you up from underneath, uh, hey, I'm going to tell you, I see, I see people take their kids out there. They can't swim. They're little. They're walking out there this deep in that water. Hey, can, can, you, can you just imagine what would happen if that person got knocked down? You know where the place of safety is? It's on the shore. On the shore, there's no compromising. (laughs) No dabbling just a little bit. I'm just going to venture out just a little bit. You better be careful because it's going to become a snare to you and your family. Read the book of Judges and see what happens when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. When they left the precepts of God's Word and every time... Every time that sin brought them and their family down, ask Naomi. Ask Naomi. They went to sojourn in Moab. Hey, we're just going to go live in Moab. Hey, where God ain't blessing, where God ain't there. Hey, we're just going to go down for a little while down in that sinful place where they don't worship the Lord. We're just going to go hang out in the world for just a little while. They didn't plan to stay long. She said this, though I went out full, but I've come back empty. Hey, there's a cause for alarm in denouncing. But not only that, there's a cause for alarm in declaring. Look at verse 2. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who hath said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Hey, hey, you know, this message is out there that God wants everybody healthy and wealthy and that you can have your best life now. You can be who you want to be. Hey, you 
you just do you. Hey, can't nobody tell you that you're wrong and that you can't be whatever you want to be. Hey, you just follow your own heart. Hey, can I just say there, there, there's, there's a cause for alarm in declaring. We need a revival of just declaring the Word of God. In Psalms 12, 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Every generation deserves to hear the truth of God's Word. Not some fake or watered-down Word, but the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ uh, our Lord. Hey, this world needs to hear the truth. Uh, hey, that you're a sinner and you're on your way to a devil's hell, but there's a God in heaven that loves you so much that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have uh, everlasting life. Uh, you're a sinner. You're a dirty, rotten sinner that deserves to go to hell. But Jesus died for you so that you could be saved and have have everlasting life. Think of every church of our size, and we're, we're a small church, was sending out the gospel on a regular basis. Think about it. If every church really had a burden for their community and they were running buses and soul winning, oh my, what a difference it would make here in America. How many churches have ceased from that? They cease from going out. They cease from sending out the gospel. They cease from running buses. They cease to, uh, declining their attendance by, by cutting down times and not showing up on Sundays, uh, twice on Sundays and once on... I mean, I'm telling you, there's such a decline. If we're not actively declaring the truth of God's Word, then how will those that are living in sin know they need to be saved? In Romans 10, 13, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then it goes on to a question. How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings uh, of good things. Uh, oh, my, my dad was out at a yard sale a few weeks ago and, and uh, he was speaking to a holiness pastor. If I'm not mistaken, he had been in the pastorate for a long time. I mean, I'm talking about over 40, 50 years. Been a pastor of a holiness church there. And when my dad asked him about his eternal security... That's what he said, I hope. This is a pastor of a holiness church that opened up the Bible, preached from the Bible, but yet here he is saying, I hope I was good enough. Boy, how many people have been deceived over the years listening to this person preach, thinking that they could work their way into heaven. David said in 12, Psalms 12, 1, Help, Lord, why for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Boy, we need a revival. Why? Because the godly man ceaseth. And the faithful are failing. Who is going to take their place? Who is going to take a stand? 
Oh, we need to stand and haven't done all to stand right here in America. We need to stand for these other countries who have not heard the gospel. We need to reach them at all costs. Would you be the one that would at least do like David and said, Help, Lord. Would you, would you be the one that would just get the burden to pray and ask God to give us a revival? Ask God to move in and help us? Maybe you'd be the one that would just dedicate yourself to being that faithful one. That one that's not going to cease. That one that's just going to stand and have it done all to stand. We're in need of revival. And you know where it starts? It starts right here. It's going to take more than just the preacher doing it. It's going to take more than just the evangelist or the missionary. It's got to be a united effort. The Great Commission was given to the entire church. Will you be the one to take the place of those who have ceased and those who are failing? Or are you just going to join their ranks and say, well, what's the use? Will you be a David? Will you be a Daniel? Would you be an Elijah or a Paul? Hey, if you're not saved, then when you just please call on the Lord and be saved today. There's hope for you. There's hope for America. The answer to David's prayer is found in verse 6 and 7. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words. They've never failed. They've never ceased. Look at this. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, and it purified seven times, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. This Bible was here before I was here and it's going to be here when I'm gone. If the Lord tarries, it'll still be here. It'll still be around. God's Word is still the answer if we'll follow it. May the Lord help us to do His will, to obey His Word, and let's cry out to Him and ask Him for help.